Just like a puppet some woman could have sex with. What? That's movie we were talking about. Oh. How's that related to a glass of water? <laughs> now I got a Google Aid pixelated sex puppet. <laughs> no, I sent you a picture. <laughs> All right, let's do this thing. Hey. Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now. Just what you want someone to say when you're doing something you're supposedly enthusiastic about, right? Every time I get in bed with my wife. All right. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> right. Puppets ahoy. Let's do this. <laughs> Who's that puppet, honey? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name's Will, and joining me as always are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hello, guys. Hi, guys. Hello. And don't forget, in addition to his co-hosting duties here, John also mm. hosts his own podcast, Empire Gen X Grown Up, talking mm -hmm. about uh, the mud flaps, all that sort of stuff. I think I used that joke <laughs> once before. The mud <laughs> Merchandising. Because, <laughs> yeah, he's got some merchandise now on uh, Public too. Does it include mud flaps? It, there's no reason it couldn't. It could. If you, yeah, if you could. would like, we can set up a mud flap t-shirt. Yeah, just That could you. be exciting. Well, I mean, you guys are truckers or trucker. <laughs> trucker merch. Right. Right. Yeah. Trucker. <laughs> hey, on today's show, we're going to be speaking with Brian Volkweiss. You remember him. We just spoke to him mm -hmm. just a short time ago. He is the CEO and founder of the Nacelle Company, a company mm -hmm. that we're big fans of because they produce a number of different things that, uh, you know, just speak directly to the nostalgia buffs within us, mm -hmm. uh, producing products that... Um, are about the things that we love from our youths, including documentaries that talk about the the films of that generation, like the Star Wars one that came out uh, just a short time ago for Icons on Earth. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to be talking to him about another uh, franchise that was born in the 1980s, The Simpsons. So Icons on Earth, mm -hmm. The Simpsons. Dope! Coming to an exciting, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, an exciting <laughs> conclusion uh, this Wednesday, November 9th. Uh, and we wanna, we're going to chat with Brian all about that series. His series mm -hmm. and the Simpsons series. And more, because oh. you can always count on bonus information coming from BVW. I'm excited. Mm. <laughs> BVW. <laughs> hey, uh, before that, though, we're going to review current news stories to, uh, related to 1980s media, including how Elvira was double D listed. Mm -hmm. uh, which horror Good. franchise well Which horror franchise is getting a pre-makequel? Mm -hmm. Oh. And the demonic spirit that has possessed the truth. This is something that's really got my gander up. No. Got my dander up. Uh, it's good for the goose. It's good for the dander. That's what I always say. <laughs> That's where I get it from. You got to stop saying that. You're incepting me. There's time codes in the show notes if you'd like to skip around. Um, hey, before that, uh, a brief announcement. Mm -hmm. Damn it. That's what that means? No. A brief announcement. What? One of them says bing and one of them says chime. I, I don't... <laughs> I made it clearer to myself. You could put announcement on it. I mean, why be so ambiguous? Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah, Bing, I'll ding, that. chime, and dong. Yeah, that's dumb. He's a sound um, guy. He's just... Right. Hey, uh, well, on, on the wrong answer, he's just a picture of my face, so he knows that one's always right. Oh, no. There we go. Hey, we've got a... Oh, here it is. In a brief announcement, look, we're going to... We have another book to give away here. Ooh. <gasps> ooh. This Ooh. is this book has not yet been released, but the uh, publishers were kind enough to send us a copy. It's called The Kick-Ass oh. Book of Cobra Kai, nice. an official behind-the-scenes companion. And we want to give it away to you. So uh, it's going to be available for sale on November 15th. You could pre-order it, of course. And if you do so, 
do me a favor and go to bookshop.org. Skip Amazon. Go to bookshop.org. It's an organization that helps you support local bookstores. As far as you know, it's going to be the same experience. You can pick out a book. It's got a, you know, the website's very similar and great. Mm -hmm. Um, But you'll help keep these uh, smaller stores that compete with Amazon Mm, uh, in business. But anyway, Mm -hmm. kick-ass book of Cobra Kai. Uh, nice. so follow up. I don't just like the Ralph Macchio book, which coincidentally, of course, is related to Cobra Kai. I don't know how mm-hmm. we're going to give it away, but probably some way simple. Follow us on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, 1980s now, and uh, we'll let you know there. Um, all right, that's it. Okay, so hey, let's get caught up on 1980s news. Hey, this week on 1980s news, as reported by massivelyop.com. Adventure Quest 3D was temporarily delisted from app stores because of, dun-dun-dun, Elvira's breasts. <laughs> so fans uh-huh. of Adventure Quest 3D on mobile may have been surprised at the MMORPG's delisting from app stores, but developer Artix Entertainment has an explanation. Elvira, uh-huh. the infamous Mistress of the Dark, and the host of the game's 20th anniversary event, has boobs. That's the only reason they deal with it. Whoa. It's not specifically the possession of them. It's how they are presented. Oh, I see. Not that they exist. Not that they just exist. I realize I should have said there was two reasons that uh, it was done. How far can I take Two big reasons. Now, I got to say, look, we can make these comments about Elvira's breasts because I think she does herself. You know, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's a focal point of her comedy for decades now. Yep, mm-hmm. she's on board, I think. <laughs> you think? You don't know? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think she'd be fine with you right. making comments right now. Right. Yeah, We haven't checked with her yeah. about Will's usage, but we're right. pretty sure she'd right. be okay with it. You yeah. guys had a nice chat. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, was that not quite a year ago? I'm trying to remember. It was, it was last, like, yeah, it was last October. I looked it up for, uh, for mm. some reason. It was last October, I believe. Last Wait, October? wasn't it supposed to be October, but then... It oh, delayed yeah, a little bit. Right, yeah. So about 11 months ago. So I've got the yeah. pictures here for you so you can see what the big scandal mm-hmm. is about here. Mm-hmm. The big scandal. Yeah. What do you mean, Kat? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, because it was a large scandal. Is that what you mean? Right. It was, it was two scandals. <laughs> two scandals. <laughs> All right. Now you guys are just milking my joke. <laughs> All right. So look, here's the picture that was originally posted. And folks, if you want to check this out, you can see, see it on YouTube here. That's it? Yeah, so this is what the, you know, the big uh, hullabaloo is about. It's a cartoon <gasps> drawing of Elvira, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very, it's a, it's a pretty simple drawing of her. And mm-hmm. her yeah. cleavage is displayed much in the way that it is in, you know, the live action photos of Elvira. Yes. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. So apparently, mm-hmm. uh, so Google, Apple Store, they all took it down because of this image. Okay. Apple all on its own decided to bring it back with a modified version of this. What they did was they moved Elvira. They just shifted her over to our left enough that you couldn't see any cleavage. I think you could see side boob a little bit, but not cleavage. I'm so confused. How do that you That might be even, even more titillating. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's how, your turn, how do, you, how do you slide um, her? Well, oh. so the, yeah, when they showed the image, they cropped it. I should say cropped it. They cropped it in oh, such okay. a way that okay. just to the right of her cleavage, you know, which mm. I, I, is that the cleavage being the separation between the two bosoms, mm-hmm. was cut off. So you really just saw part of, you know, one breast. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but um, <sighs> Google took it off altogether. And then ultimately the company submitted a new graphic to get it back up. And so these stores now have it back up. Apple okay. actually has this image now, the one with the full, you know, oh. full view mm-hmm. of her uh, mm-hmm. gifts and 
The uh, company, though, submitted this one, which is the one that Google and other stores have. So they just... <laughs> oh, see? That's not... That's only Elvira because it says Elvira. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, right. And her right. hair. Okay, fine. Like her hair. But, <laughs> They've placed mm. her name over the most identifying feature of Elvira. <laughs> At this, in 2022, is this the kind of stuff we're worried about? No, I don't think so. Mm. Developers did nothing wrong. It's You yeah. said it's a standard image of Elvira. You know? Yes. But, and if you had forgotten what she looks like, then you should say thanks for the memories. <laughs> <laughs> I think John's, John's, John's winning now this round. <laughs> the, the sensitivity has got to be like we don't want to expose children to these things right that's always to these things to these things <laughs> we don't want to expose children to right sexual what? things generally what folks okay. associate with yeah. sexual but right right there's yeah. so many things about that one breasts are just can just be breasts too yes they can um, just be yes. a part of a, an anatomy they're a natural mm -hmm. thing it's just and yes. I guarantee there's a bunch of stuff on there that kids have easy access to. They have no business having access to mm -hmm. that isn't policed by Google and mm -hmm. Apple and these other places in the way this is. It's just a cartoon representing a fantasy, horror, humorous character that is well-established in the world that yes. they can see anywhere. They can see on a bus, the side of a bus, they can see on a billboard, they can see anywhere. Yeah, it, knee jerk reaction didn't make a lot of sense when I read it. Although- Maybe it brought more attention to the game and well, that's people true. are, hmm. you know, ooh, ooh, I want to check this right. out. We wouldn't be talking about the game if not for the scandal, would <laughs> exactly. we? Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Look, I love Elvira, but there's, she's, she's mm -hmm. constantly involved in things. We'd be reporting, oh, yeah. would be like Elvira news if we did talk about every <laughs> other story that she was involved in. Mm -hmm. Hey, in other mm -hmm. 1980s news, uh, as reported by Deadline and Fangoria, a Friday the 13th prequel series has been ordered. Mm. Uh, so last week the news broke that Brian Fuller, you know, the uh, creator of Hannibal, Pushing Daisies. Oh, John, he's the co-creator of uh, Star Trek Discovery, Brian Fuller. Oh, mm -hmm. um, yep. It was announced that he would be bringing a Friday, this, this uh, sequel series called Crystal Lake to NBC's mm -hmm. uh, Peacock streaming mm -hmm. service. Now, if you remember, it wasn't too long ago that we talked about the legal battle that was going on in connection with Friday the 13th, because you had, uh, you had two sides that were lined up essentially. Oh, you had Sean right. Cunningham, who's the director and producer of the original film. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, you had Victor Miller, who was the screenwriter of the original film. And what happened was certain rights to these, to the, I think to the original film expired in the, so the screenwriter was arguing, arguing I should get those back. Right. And there was a period of time where in limbo, because it wasn't clear who had the rights, what we were understanding at least what it was, could be is that Victor Miller had rights to what he created, which is, mm -hmm. if you remember, again, we just talked about this on, on trivia, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Voorhees as the murderer. Yes. Jason yeah. making a cameo, essentially, in the last two minutes of the film or 30 seconds. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Sean Cunningham later on in the series being playing a role in creating the hockey masked villain that eventually, right. you know, dominates the whole uh, franchise. Okay. So it was like a point where, well, they couldn't have Jason because, well, he, uh, Victor Miller created him, but Victor Miller couldn't have J his Jason, who's only a child, <laughs> wearing the hockey mask. So anyway, the, the good news is that the, the case was settled uh, in the oh, second U.S. Circuit okay. Court of Appeals earlier this summer, I think it was. Mm -hmm. okay. um, and it's, it seems like the folks are now coming to an agreement because, but for them Getting along, you couldn't have a series like this. Right. right. <laughs> Where's the names? I love when Will looks for things. Oh, oh, here you go. Okay, so now you've got Victor Miller, who, as I mentioned, wrote the original screenplay of the 1980 film. Mark Turboroff, mm -hmm. who's Miller's copyright attorney. And Rob 
I'm going to say Barsamian, who produced the original movie, are all executive producing this new series. So you've got a lot of folks who weren't agreeing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, several mm-hmm. months ago. And I think this battle's been going on for like a decade or something. It's been several years. Wow. And like I said, it was recently resolved. Uh, mm-hmm. When asked by Fangoria, uh, Fangoria's Scott Wambler, again, I'm probably screwing up his name too, <laughs> how far back the prequel would go, Fuller responded, I don't think I'm allowed to say that just yet, but I would say it's less <laughs> a prequel than a pre-remakeable series. Kind of like tongue Making up words to mm-hmm. to prove that he doesn't really know exactly what it's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> or, or, or instead of saying, you know, reboot, which scares everybody, right. or reboot. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. But the word re is in there. <laughs> I heard it. You know, I have a good feeling about this, and it's oh. it, it's partially because of the creators, yeah. because I trust the creators that are involved in this. All right. But I had a really good experience with a very similar pre-makeable that came oh. out mid-20-teens. Okay. Bates Motel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that show. That was an amazing series that centered around Norman Bates and his mom living in the oh, living in the house yeah. and they opened up the hotel. Mm-hmm. And it's before things crumbled to the point that they were in the film. So you get to see the people become the people that became Ooh. the horror icons. Gotcha. I was doubtful of Bates Motel. And that turned out to be really cool in a character hmm. study of like, well, how did he get this way? How did yeah. his mom treat him that made him, you know, mummy, mummify her in the attic. And <laughs> it was really good. And it, it led up to it really well. Yeah. That, okay, John. Hey, if it goes that way, that would be great. And that, that mm-hmm. also then for me uh, explains why then with regard to when asked about, Again, whether when asked about whether or not Jason could appear in the show, because as mm-hmm. we know, mm-hmm. if you're talking about a prequel, the the the, the in short, the, the story of the film is right. He, Jason is supposedly drowned at Crystal Lake by some camp counselors, right. and then it's something like I think a decade later, or maybe mm-hmm. it's I think that was supposed to be fifty nine. Is that fifty nine or sixty nine? Uh, anyway, some years later, mm-hmm. when the camp is being reopened, his mom goes there and starts killing these camp, the new counselors off. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if he's a kid. By the time he drowns, mm-hmm. a prequel mm-hmm. would have him being, you know, he's going to be an infant or a toddler. Right. Well, he was in his <laughs> teens, I think, right? Okay. When he oh, drowned. Oh, yeah, he'd be at camp. So maybe 13 yeah, years. Yeah, his so. camp oh, in his teens, right? Right. So the show okay. could open with Mrs. Voorhees taking an eight-year-old Jason to hockey practice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, when asked about whether or not Jason would appear, Fuller says that, quote, over the course of the series, we will see many familiar manifestations of Jason. So, mm-hmm. end quote. So, yeah, I guess in... in you know, I guess maybe different stages or flashbacks, flash forwards or growing. Like, put me in the writer's room. I can think of amazing ways to address oh. this. Cause just like Bates oh. Motel, yeah. all you've got to do is we've seen Mrs. Voorhees as the killer. What instead yeah. you need to see is Mrs. Voorhees, how much she loves her son mm. to the point where he drowns because of neglect. She will do anything to avenge his death. Yeah. And then she becomes a heroic villain. It it can change the complexion of the first film if you have compassion for the killer. Mm -hmm. She's not in the right. Yeah. But you can see her motivation. And Mm -hmm. motivation and how a a monster is thinking Mm -hmm. so much adds to the the complexity and depth of a, of a monster like that. It's definitely, definitely. Great potential. Yeah, yeah. Can you do a whole show like this that sort of gives that backstory like you're saying, John, and mm-hmm. skip the backstory that explains how you could have him appear at the end of the first film, be alive, so to speak, yeah. and then yeah. continue to terrorize people for, you know, I don't know, what, 10, 20 years after that. <laughs> You'd have to explain the supernatural. You skip that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You may remember us talking about Brian Fuller not too long ago in the context of reboots and remakes because as of December 2021, Fuller was still slated to reboot Stephen King's Christine. 
But I can't find a scrap of news about that on the internet anywhere. Unnecessary. It's curious (laughs) as to how these folks that are interviewing him, including uh, uh, Scott Wambler, who hosts uh, the King cast, I think it's called. It's this Mm. podcast dedicated Mm. to Stephen King. He didn't ask, uh, what's up with Christine if you're doing this one now? You know, you moved on to Friday the 13th. Which is, see how the car was built? See where the tires were made? Well, no, it wasn't necessarily a prequel. It was just a remake. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, no, oh no, okay. Yeah, oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a four, it takes, it, it's gung-ho. It, take, it takes place at a car factory <laughs> in the 1980s. What a crossover. It's essentially gung-ho, yeah. <laughs> okay, hey, another 1980s news. And speaking of Brian Volkweiss, with whom we're going to be chatting in just a few minutes, mm-hmm. the Nacelle Company's just launched a 24-hour nostalgia channel. This sounds like... I mean, something right up our alley here. Wow. Like yeah. I need more things to watch. Yeah. This sounds great. Yeah, like, please. <laughs> no. If you love documentaries and you love nostalgia, well, this is perfect for you because- uh, Damn it. Nacelle, again, you know, maybe we didn't <laughs> remind folks about this at the beginning, but the, it's the studio that that brought us the the movies that made us, the toys yeah, that made yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Center mm-hmm. Seat, which I know mm-hmm. John-, John Star like Trek the, thing. The Star Trek one. Yeah. I Toy Show. Toy Store Near You Toy, is a great yeah. series they did. So many awesome things, yeah. Ooh. So they just launched, uh, just last week, uh, Nacelle Pop. They're cl- calling it. It's a it's a 24-7 streaming channel that uh, is exclusively available on Amazon Freebie, mm-hmm. which uh, apparently that's a channel formerly known as IMDB TV, but it's a free streaming service. So anybody mm-hmm. could have access to it. There's a number of ways you can get it. I, I have access to it through Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, but it's going to feature carefully curated pop culture focused documentaries, anima- animated series, classic TV shows, ones that are all but impossible to find. Wow. Um, including the uh, notable titles that uh, the, the uh, Nacelle companies created themselves, those ones we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe we could ask Brian about whether or not, uh, you know, ni- 1980s now and Gen X grown up could uh, have just to- have a slot. Give us a time hey. slot. A lot of co- yeah. 24 hours, 24 7. That's a lot. That, Tuesdays that. at 3.30 a.m. till 3.45 a.m. Yeah. Do whatever you want. <laughs> I did have, you know, I did have, you remind me, I did have an internet radio channel reach out to us once. It was like, we're going to put you on at Sundays at 2 a.m. I was like, you know, we're good. We're fine. What? We heard that same thing. It's yeah, like, right? we need to fill content. We could, uh, no. And then you listen to the other, sh- other shows on their radio and it's all garbage. Oh. Why are you at 2 a.m.? All right. Hey, in other 1980s news, Tim Burton finally announces Johnny Depp in Beetlejuice 2. <laughs> and let me explain why that's complete and utter bullshit. You know, this is yes. driving me crazy. Look, that is a real headline from, what? you know, just this a uh, couple of weeks ago here. So, wow. And this just drives me crazy. We've talked about Doomcock, we've talked yes. about Giant Freaking Robot. We know we live in this post-truth world where it's, uh, in, in many ways, we've got folks, certainly in the political arena, that just have decided to deny the existence of actual things mm-hmm. and make up other things that, with no proof, they'd rather believe than other shit that's right in front of them with evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's sad. But now it's affecting- no our- idea what you're talking about. No, uh, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link. <laughs> oh. No, please don't send me probably get a virus immediately. <laughs> don't send opinion. me anything. <laughs> but now it's affecting what we love too, pop culture. So like I said, these are, there's all these sites that have been doing this for a while that I've complained about before. But here you go, look. <laughs> my, I think, was, I want to say it's my wife sent this to me. She was like, oh my God, did you hear about this? Johnny Depp is in Beetlejuice? And I was like, hmm. So Social Junkie, I don't know what that is, but the name that their hmm. garbage is right in the name of their- this website right there, junk. <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago reported just in official Tim Burton finally announces Johnny Depp and Beetlejuice 2 movie. Okay. Quote, 
Fans are rejoicing after Tim Burton confirmed Beetlejuice 2 in a recent interview, saying, and then they go on to quote a story from 2016. Now, when I dug up the story from 2016, this quote, recent interview, is actually (laughs) sourced... I think it was on Giant Freaking Robot. It's one of those sites I just told you is a bunch of bullshit. It's from a secondhand anonymous source that says Tim Burton told them oh, this. Yes. Is this just a circle of sites eating one another's waste and then yes. depositing as a new headline? <laughs> it's a human centipede. It, oh, right. Yeah, news reporting. Yes. Oh, and in 2016, a few hours genius. after this story, this quote unquote story broke, Tim Burton's representatives were already out there de- denying this, saying, mm-hmm. quote, Tim Burton did not confirm Beetlejuice 2 as the movie mm-hmm. is not in development, end quote. Mm-mm. Okay, so how how now we've also got Johnny Depp in this movie that actually turns out really isn't going forward? Right. Well, I shouldn't so say wait, going forward. Why is Tim this Burton. news again? Yeah. <laughs> now, we did report we're... earlier this year that Brad Pitt's company had it in development. But that's okay. it. No one's attached to it. Nobody, right. not even Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um. So I started digging, like, why would they even think that... Uh, Tim Burton or, or Johnny Depp is now in this movie that we know very little about. Because yes. Johnny Depp is in every Tim Burton movie. That's well, <laughs> well he, right. That's he linked true. to Tim Burton. But he didn't officially announce it like this headline no. says. So, right. So on, in May of this year, I, the, the earliest site I could find, I shouldn't even give the names of these sites because it's just giving them mentions mm. for their bullshit. But <laughs> something called National Post. Uh, wrote that fans have flooded social media with the claim that Johnny Depp will be in Beetlejuice after they mm-hmm. noticed the embattled actor's name seemed to appear on a call sheet found when they said they searched for the upcoming Beetlejuice 2 on Google. So oh. they're reporting what people are saying based on what they saw on a Google search. Right. That's not news. That's no. Hashtag Beetle Depp. No, not that's even, not. No. <laughs> I was going to say Depp Juice, but that's that sounds. Weird. Oh, no. That's, no, 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 no. Like, no, please. No. That's, that's an Amber Heard cocktail you're thinking oh. of. Oh. Uh-huh. What? Well, after know. digging into this, it seems like the quote call sheet was in fact mm-hmm. what you got on IMDb. So if you search for Beetlejuice 2, okay. the IMDb page came up with this cast and director. Now IMDB is just like Wikipedia. It's crowdsourced. It is. Anybody sure. can put anything in yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah, think yeah. you need to yeah. sign up for an account, but that's mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got an IMDB page for one. I wrote a episode on a web series. My friend had, you know, 10 years ago and I've got a uh-huh. page. I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to take that out. Cause I don't want to people oh. putting fake credits on that. <laughs> um, they're going to say I was in some puppet movie having sex with a woman or <laughs> you were the puppet. I was the puppet. I mean, if you're in that movie, you want to be the puppet at least, right? You have um, an excuse. I mean, it's not a whole lot of work for puppets. Anyway, sorry. Right, so back I, I to can't. this story where Tim Burton officially confirmed Johnny Depp is in Beetlejuice 2 movie. Mm-hmm. Well, so, okay. So while, meanwhile, at the same time, this meanwhile. story is coming out that Tim Burton officially announces Johnny Depp's in Beetlejuice 2. At a yeah. master class on October 21st, Burton suggested that he had no plans to get involved in the reboot. But even that yeah. isn't verification that he will or won't. Yeah. It's just, look, I have no plans right now. He yeah. had you know? no plans. And in <laughs> fact, the next day while speaking at a press conference uh-huh. uh, at uh, the Lumiere Festival in Lyon, he seemed to backtrack <laughs> saying, quote, nothing's out of the question. I only know if I'm making a film when I'm out actually on the set shooting it. We'll see wow. how it goes. How's that for a non-answer? 
So nobody knows. And certainly Johnny Depp's not it in the very least. <laughs> it just garbage just ticks And me if off. he is, I'm not watching it. Yeah, yeah, oh, no kidding. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I have nothing against Johnny Depp. He's just not Beetlejuice. That's that's the, No, right. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you mm-hmm. know, I guess we don't know if they were suggesting he was going to play Beetlejuice. What else would you? Why would you put him in the movie? So he's going to. He's going. He's going. Well, I know Michael Keaton wanted gonna, to do it still, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Oh, who knows? Okay. Who knows? All right. Oh, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just right. You know, I, I will show you this though. I did. I did mean to show you this. Um, when I searched oh. for Beetlejuice two on IMDb, including the okay. bullshit one that these people <laughs> referred to as a call sheet, mm-hmm. was this one. This is oh. another version of Beetlejuice two. That uh, <laughs> supposedly came out in 2014. It says it's he's back in a hilarious side-splitting sequel to the 1988 blockbuster. Now, according to this one, Ryan Perez directed it, and it stars Natasha Lyonne of A Russian Doll as Beetlejuice. Okay. Oh. I love the only comment on here is someone that says, uh, <laughs> this is the worst movie I have never seen. Not only is it a waste of time, but every moment of it not existing is a waste of time. Demanded from your local director. If you're going to make a Beetlejuice sequel, wouldn't it be called Beetlejuicier? I think it should be. That's perfect. So perfect. Let's end the news. All right. That was 1980s news. Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. All right. Hey, so in a moment, we're going to be speaking with Brian Volkweiss, Yes. Mm-hmm. CEO and founder and of Nacelle Company and also the mm-hmm. director of this particular docu-series that we're going to talk about, Icons mm-hmm. Unearthed, The Simpsons. An all-around yeah. great guy to talk to, by the way. So, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> look, we're going to be talking about The Simpsons with Brian. So be mm-hmm. honest, fans, have you seen it? Did you watch it? Did you watch it since the 80s? Have you seen it since? I enjoy The Simpsons. Yeah. I, as we know, I wasn't really watching TV in the 80s, mm-hmm. as I've mentioned before, but mm-hmm. I've definitely seen things. It's been on mm-hmm. and um, I'm totally familiar with all the characters. My brother was a huge fan. So there was all manner of uh, Simpsons paraphernalia <laughs> around our house. <laughs> he was running around saying, eat my shorts. And cowabunga, dude. <laughs> Don't have absolutely. a cow, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I quote Homer Simpson. A, a fair amount. I say, don't. Dude. Oh, that's true. <laughs> she does do yep. that. Do do that. Everybody does that. Dough is yeah, part I'm, of the lexicon. That's exactly. That's because of is. the enduring mm-hmm. impact on society that The Simpsons has had. You don't. You don't mm-hmm. have to be watching it regularly to no. know dough and don't. you know <laughs> don't have a cow man and it's yeah. it's 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 seeped in and oh yeah and and, and for me too, Kat. I I've not mm-hmm. watched it religiously in. Mm-mm. More than a decade. I watched mm-hmm. it a lot, probably in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was when, yeah, only had four networks and Fox was one of them. And there were cool shows on Fox. So I would watch The Simpsons. But <laughs> when, when when the landscape of television started spreading, my mm-hmm. focus moved on. I think there was a large consensus that the writing in The Simpsons kind of kind of dipped out of the first seven, eight years. It, mm-hmm. We'll talk about the, the golden days of it. But mm-hmm. I've watched a few recently and it's still... Some well-written television, even yep. if you don't oh, watch absolutely. it every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was a fan, if you folks, you don't remember, look, you should just watch this docuseries. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that I think even if you're not a fan of The Simpsons, it's a fascinating tale of how it came together. It's, I love that. I love origin story stuff. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. No. But yes, I, I've begun watching it. I'm not I'm not through mm-hmm. it yet. But I, I just love finding out like, well, well how did this yeah. <laughs> you know, come about? All the little details that go into the making of something. And it's insane really cool. because mm-hmm. you would never suspect this thing mm-hmm. that's a juggernaut financially for the Fox, right. you know, company. Right. was like a, by a ragtag group of, you know, yes. offbeat punk rock type guys just yep. kind of figuring it out because they had yes. to. <laughs> I love that. I can relate. Yep. I'm there right now. Yeah. It's great. That's right. Yeah. I'm ragtagging it. You're right. Rag- you're so ragtag. I'm yeah. also commandoing it. Or what is that? Oh, um, well, that, that goes without saying. That's no, that was when you guys were wearing your costumes last week. That's what right. That commandoing. Oh, you talked oh, yeah. about not yes, wearing it was pants. Too hot. Right, right, right. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, look, I, I, we'll probably talk with Brian about some of these things. So, and you should watch the show for certainly more detail than we can provide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and folks know. So, but, but mm-hmm. I it started on the Tracy Ullman show as these little interstitials that uh, yes. were intended to break up the sketches in much the same way that Terry Gilliam's animation did for the Monty mm-hmm. Python's Flying Circus. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing it then and already being like sort of intrigued by, you know, sort of how it wasn't my parents, you know, a family sitcom sort of presentation, ah, you know, because it was this yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. it was more like how the people we knew and they lived with, you know, where the father would say really what was on his mind. And sometimes <laughs> it was that he wanted to strangle his kid. Um, <laughs> and some of the characters were very different when they were first on the Tracy Ullman show, right. but mm. it was already very irreverent. And it was, as oh, you yeah. said, yeah. it was not leave it to beaver. It was mm-hmm. not, you know, my three sons, it was mm-hmm. a kind of dysfunctional family that still kind of loved each other. But I think, yeah, I think even yeah. most of the, I, they loved each other. Didn't come until the series. It was just kind of a dysfunctional <laughs> cartoon family that was really? mean to one another. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I think I, I had <laughs> started watching it then when it aired, if the first episode aired in, uh, at the end of 1989, it was a Christmas mm-hmm. episode and it's cool. They tell you in the docuseries why that is. Maybe right. that's even mm-hmm. a spoiler in a sense, but, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know if I want to share the story, maybe because it's kind of a bummer, but maybe, maybe it's not a bummer, but, um, I watched mm-hmm. it every episode, you know, every mm-hmm. Sunday, it eventually became Sunday night thing and I'd watch it mm-hmm. ah, every Sunday yeah. and yep. through my daughter being born, my oldest uh-huh. daughter. Mm-hmm. And then when she was, she was too little to know what we were watching, you know, but she yeah. started getting of an age like two, three, four years old, three and a half, mm-hmm. where it became problematic for her to see like itchy and scratchy on an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, mm-hmm. maybe this explains it all. My then wife, uh-huh. <laughs> that doesn't explain my then wife was, you know, you can't let our child see this. And he was like, well, yeah, I shouldn't <laughs> let her do that. But it was kind of our thing. Sunday nights, you know, we'd yeah. have, I don't know, a little snack and, mm-hmm. and she'd mm-hmm. go right to bed after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just had an epiphany. Is yeah. this why your daughter is named Santa's little helper? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Amazing. Right. I never made that connection. No. <laughs> Most people don't get that because we just call her Santi. But, yeah. <laughs> so, but when, we, when my wife and I, my first wife I'm talking about, when we separated, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. stopped watching The Simpsons. Oh, no. Uh, when oh. I couldn't watch it with my daughter, oh. I haven't watched a new episode of it since. Wow. So that's been, I don't know, 15 ah. so years, 15 plus yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. It could be time to watch it again. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. really good. Uh, hmm. anyway, why would I say this? I, I just brought the whole show down. So <laughs> let's bring the show back up. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. So yeah. Been, yeah. The Simpsons is the longest running, uh, animated series, longest running, uh, certainly American sitcom, uh, mm-hmm. longest running mm-hmm. scripted primetime television series, 734 mm-hmm. episodes, at least as of the last time Wikipedia was updated. 
Um, There's no way I can catch up. Yeah. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I mean, I would imagine you guys have seen some number of the shows at least. Yep. Some yeah, Some number. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> some number. Yeah. Well, Nowhere near what you guys have seen. Oh, that's perfect because no. once again, it's time to play. Oh no! Be more funny. <laughs> All right, look, I just wanted oh, to do this. No. Just to I mean, do it. I'm excited but worried. <laughs> you don't have to be worried, John. Do not worry, John. Here come the lawyer questions. I've got ten. <laughs> Stop that! No. John, you know, at one point, at some point, John's going to have his friend, the attorney, be there with him. Like he just starts moving in. Uh, Sorry. Yes, uh, I'll. Can I have a sidebar? He can whisper in my ear. Yeah. He's going to pop out mic. from behind his background. Yeah. <laughs> I've been advised to have no answer. Yeah. I'm not going to be participating in the game this week. All right. So here's what I have. I have 10 episode uh, summaries for Simpsons. Okay. Oh boy. Five okay. of them are real. Oh, mm. okay. Five of them. I asked an AI to write a summary for a Simpson episode. And this is what I got. You okay. really did? Yeah. Oh All my right, gosh. Now, you tell me if this is a, a oh my I think you guys are going to do fine. All right, here we go. Here's the summary know. of the first one. Okay. Marge. Now are we, are, we, are we ping ponging these? Are we both guessing? What's, oh. the, what's the rules here? Oh, let's, go, yeah, let's go back and forth. Let's ping pong. Back and forth. Okay, ping okay. pong. All right. Pong. Uh, Marge has like to, uh, let's say John goes first. Marge has to spend the family's Christmas savings to remove a tattoo Bart thought would make a great Christmas present. I've seen it, I think. I think it's real. That's right. Nice. That's actually the first episode to air. From season mm. one, episode one, Simpsons roasting on an open fire. And the docu-series explains why, like I said, that was the first episode. It's kind of a cool story. Mm-hmm. All right, Kat, oh, here, you, you got one that. here too, Kat. Okay. Uh, while bathing, Mr. Burns almost kills himself and chooses to find an heir. I, no, I think that's AI. That's a real one. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was season five, episode oh. 18, Burns' heir. I think you're going to recognize the AI one. Oh, All right, okay. John. Okay. Here right. is another uh, Simpsons uh, episode summary. I'm ready. After a visit with a bear who looks like Tom Jones in a superhero movie, Homer decides to get Marge a new, more powerful disability. That's... I call shenanigans. I think that's AI. <laughs> that's right. That was AI. <laughs> that sounded like Mad Libs. <laughs> I think it was a good AI. I'm going to need an adjective and an action. Uh, All right, Kat, here you go. Yeah. Homer and Marge go out together. After Marge feels Homer takes her for granted. Uh, yeah. True. No, that's right. That's real. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of Simpsons episodes. I feel like mm. we've done that one many times. Oh, man. and that mm. was season one, episode 13, Some mm. Enchanted Evening. All right, John, here you go. Homer and Marge's bond becomes strong after a prank they captured on camera causes the church to lose their Christmas money. <laughs> it's certainly not one I've seen before. It doesn't sound out of the realm of possibility, so I'm going to guess it's real. Oh, no. Oh, real. no. I, I it could have been. The same it could have been. I could see that. Yeah. All right, yeah. Kat, here you go. Homer promises Marge not to hire him as her dental plan until he gets her a job as a driver for a Chinese travel agency. Oh, that, that has to be AI. Yeah, that has AI. to be. Oh, thank you. Okay. Phew. <laughs> All right, John, here you go. We got yes, two, okay. we got one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, she's, we got, which I have said 10. I should have said three or four. Oops. We could just say that was it. All right, here, John, here we go. Um, mm-hmm. uh, is this AI or a real Simpsons episode? A new app lets people trick Santa into giving them a gift by tricking him into giving it back. That sounds really confusing. So I'm going to say AI. That's right. It's AI. Mm. 
So the more I mean, baffled we feel, the, the, the well, more yeah. I mean, well, the other one kind of I could see because there was actually a scenario. This one just because mm. a jumble of words. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, mm-hmm. it was Mad Libs, like you said, Kat. Yeah, Homer makes up for his latest example of fatherly ineptitude oh. by purchasing Lisa the one thing she's always wanted, a pony. That This has to be true, it sounds like. That's right! <laughs> Love it. That's season eight, episode three, Lisa's Pony. Did he really Simpsons get her a pony? did it. Yeah. Wow. Is this, any, is this even anything? I don't know if this is anything. It's, yeah. Oh, we got this is amusing. Left here. We got two We're more tied. left here. Uh, okay. John, to get out of cl- cleaning a highway as part of community service, Homer fakes his own death. I want that to be true. I want it to be true. Yeah, that's a real one. Why does Homer have to serve community oh, service? Yeah, I mean, well, it doesn't surprise there's me. There's plenty but, of reasons. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, Kat, here is uh, the, the final one here. Is this a, a real Simpson story run written by an AI? To enlist the help of Mark Cuban, Homer mentors Lisa, who is subletting a fish farm. But when the fish farm is closed by decree, Homer mentors Lisa and becomes distraught when she fails. You know it's true. Look how long it was. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to say it's true. No! Oh, oh, no. Mm. It did have a lot of detail. <laughs> All right. Hey, we asked a Too couple much. folks on we asked folks on the internet uh, or on socials what they thought about uh, The Simpsons and uh, George Wright's worst ride at Universal. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's you know, that kind of true. I, it's technically an answer to your question. Yeah. I and I guess- don't- Know that I went on it. What's the ride like? They, you know what they did? They took the Back to the Future. Have you ever been to Universal Studios? Yeah. You remember yeah. the Back to the Future ride they had? We were in a DeLorean. You'd go on a time traveling sort of adventure. They took that and made it garbage. Oh, mm. wow. So okay. now you're in a car and instead of it being like semi-realistic looking images, you're in a cartoon. It's uh-huh. fine. Yeah. It's for kids. Uh-huh. Is, the, is the one like yeah. projection all around you kind of yeah, thing? Is exactly. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so, uh, yeah. Mm. Whatever mm-hmm. half of a seven hundred and twenty, what three sixty, I guess, sort of. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cubed or squared? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, and Kyle writes, "Phone this friend if you need backup." He's talking about us. Talking about the Simpsons. Oh. I started memorizing oh. episodes as early as I could. So the Christmas episode on Fox. So there you go. I guess since the why very didn't you then. tell me about Kyle before we did that quiz? <laughs> I needed to phone him. Ring ring. <laughs> have they ever enlisted the help of Mark Cuban and Lisa to fish for? <laughs> oh, I should have done it. Just I should have done that just so you guys would be in that situation. <laughs> yes. Oh, <laughs> damn it! All right, do final answer. All right, oh, hey, man. in a moment, we'll be right back with our guest, Brian Volkweiss. Awesome. I came here in a time machine that you invented. Now, I need your help to get back to the year 1980. Our guest today is the founder and CEO of the Nacelle Company, a company that continues to find new ways to introduce us to so many of the things that we loved in our youths. They're the folks that brought us the wildly popular Netflix shows, The Toys That Made Us, and its spinoff, The Movies That Made Us. Well, once again, our guest and his talented team have provided a fascinating and entertaining look at another favorite from our childhood. The finale for his latest documentary series, Icons Unearthed, the Simpsons airs this Wednesday, November 7th. You can see it and binge all the previous episodes on Vice TV through your cable provider. Please welcome back to the show, Brian Volkweiss. Good to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The last time we, we uh, spoke about Star Wars, and folks should go, that was not too long ago because you did the uh, Icons Unearthed uh, 
documentary about mm-hmm. Star Wars. Fa- fantastic uh, documentary. And any folks who want to just, you should go listen to it. Because at that time, we asked you a lot of questions, not only about the Star history of Star Wars too, but some of the sausage making questions that just sort of fascinated mm-hmm. us about how you arrived at the particular style of documentary that you you know, seemed aptly suited to create and have perfected. Mm-hmm. Thank you. But, but we're here to talk instead about a different series because this Wednesday, November 9th, is the finale of Icons Unearthed The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Star Wars, look, to me, that's a, it's just a no-brainer, so, sort of, uh, you know, the impact it's had on film generally, but certain science, certain science fiction. But why The Simpsons? Is The Simpsons the equivalent in its own field of uh, animated sitcoms? So just before we talk about The Simpsons, yeah. I just uh, I feel like I need to do a public service yeah. announcement okay. um, to you guys yeah. and anybody listening. Mm-hmm. If for any reason I won't get into details, you you got a little beaten up uh, on Star Wars this year. And for some reason you got beaten up and you've given up and you're not even bothering with Andor. Oh, uh, Andor is the best star Wars yeah. possibly ever made. Uh, it's up there with empire strikes back. Uh, oh. it might, I, I, it might be the greatest television show ever made. So I just, That's bold. no one's talking <laughs> about it. And, mm. and yes, it starts slow. So don't give up halfway through episode two by episode four. It is the best Star Wars maybe ever made. So I need to say that anyway. Yeah, no, we agree. And we agree. We love Andor. Uh, Absolutely. And and I put Rogue One above some of the other Star Wars films, including some of the original. I I think people were just beaten up by Boba Fett and Obi-Wan. And right. I, I almost didn't even check out Andor. Like I kind of just was like, yeah, I'll try. And so anyone who's just feels beaten up as a Star Wars fan, <laughs> don't give up. Andor is here. Watch it. Anyway. Um, Simpsons. So it's very interesting. Um, obviously starting with toys that made us, um, there's, there is an understandable point of view that I love everything we talk about. And, and that is not accurate. Um, I'm very open and very honest that until toys that made us, I was not a Simpsons fan. Um, or sorry, He-Man fan. Right. Um, and I mean, I didn't know anything about my little pony. Mm-hmm. I, of all the toys we've covered, if there is any toy that I like, I didn't own any He-Man when Toys That Made Us was greenlit. And by the yeah. time it was done shooting, I probably had 10 figures and vehicles. Now I probably have over 50. Power Rangers never stuck. Never stuck. Yep. I didn't get it. I don't <laughs> get it. I, it's just not for me. So I'm always very honest that certain things appeal to me more than others. And very often, I, as I said with He-Man, I will be working on something and that will turn me into a fan. Mm-hmm. Simpsons is one of those things. I have oh. always liked Simpsons. I have always respected Simpsons. I've conservatively seen 80 or 90 episodes, which if it were any other show would be a lot. Uh, but <laughs> because it's The Simpsons, I think I've only seen uh, the 0.9% mm-hmm. of how many episodes they've made. But I... Our goal is to pick things, and we've been using this criteria since season one of Toys That Made Us. It has to be a multi-generational 
thing. So it generations, if not three, there has to be a character from that thing Hmm. that if there was a, 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 a Mount Rushmore of pop culture, there could be one of their characters on the Mount Rushmore that nobody to be told who it is. No Teddy Roosevelt. Um, <laughs> oh God, I, I, I've never, that is literally the first time I've ever made that joke. That's actually, and I've been talking about this. Um, Poor, oh, I've got, I've got Teddy's people on the, on the line. They're upset. Um, I get um, so we have these rules and there has to be a good story. Like there's a couple things out there that are really successful that Somebody had an idea, they made it, they put it out. It was a grand slam. And that's great for all the people that get money from that, but it's not a good thing to make a documentary about. So when we were choosing um, the next season of Icons on Earth, it really was, you know, we've never done anything animated. It's the Simpsons. How can we call ourselves Icons on Earth? Yeah. <laughs> and not use the longest running show of all time. With regard to story, you know, I, I know you must, and again, I'm not going to get too far into the, the process of it because we talked about that once before, but I don't know we touched on this. Certainly you, you, you record, well, I guess at what point do you know you have a story? Because I imagine at some point during the actual production, you've got hundreds of hours of interviews that you realize there's other arcs and other uh, points. Will? Uh-oh. I, I, I wish it was hundreds that, of hours. Okay. Thousands? Tens of thousands? Thousands. Wow. And you personally are going through it, of course. No, no, absolutely not. (laughs) I know you're joking, but I don't joke about that because I always, it's not that I feel bad because it's how the process works, but I represent a team of about 30 people that make these shows. And Mm -hmm. I I do an important role, don't get me wrong, but there are plenty of people doing equally important roles that don't get to talk to nice people like you, you know, every couple months. Mm-hmm. So, right. uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, sure. I, I'm not there for every interview. So yeah, I, I am, I'm an important part, but I am far from the only important part, but to answer your question. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it, we, before the red button gets hit the first time on yeah. the camera for the first interview, we have done at a minimum four months oh, of research. Wow. Okay. And the research also interview, it also includes pre-interviews. So mm-hmm. nine out of 10 interviews that you see on television, yep. we have interviewed that person twice mm-hmm. before that interview and we taped the second one. So all of that and between toys that made us, movies that made us and everything we've ever done, we have only once greenlit something and then ungreenlit it. Mm. But during the research phase, we realized we couldn't make a show. Wow. Mm. So I've been a fan of The Simpsons since the beginning. In fact, I was a fan of Tracy Ullman before I was a fan of The Simpsons. But mm. uh, And I remembered that they were interstitials on the show at the time. What I didn't remember, though, was the landscape of television as it was at the time that we even had the Fox Network. Can you explain you know, how a sort of crucial Simpson was in this landscape, in this sort of, uh, I guess, for the fledgling Fox network at this time. Well, it, so, I mean, basically Rupert Murdoch decides, and by the way, I mean, he's the guy who did what people have been talking about doing for 30 years. So, I mean, Paramount almost did their own network. 
uh, in the eighties. Right. The uh, there, there was always, to, I mean, there was always talk. Why are there only four networks, three networks? Yeah. Right. So Rupert did the plunge and he took the money he had from his father's newspaper empire that he had grown. He already owned Fox, the movie studio. Um, so he was like, yeah, let me do a network. So he starts the network. He hires really good people like Barry Diller. And basically they knew they had to do things different because they didn't have the money to go out and go toe to toe at NBC, CBS or ABC. So they, what they basically did was, uh, and by the way, many people have tried this model. It almost never works. Fox is one of the old companies that ever, if you want to see the control experiment to Fox, Eli Samaha had this company called Franchise Films, which mm. among other gems uh, gave us the classic film Battlefield Earth. Oh. Uh, literally every movie <laughs> they made lost money. Except the first movie they made was um, The Whole Nine Yards with Bruce Willis. That mm. is the only film. They made about 50 movies. The first film, profitable. The next 49 lost money. Wow. Wow. And that's normal because the model that Fox used, which franchise pictures also used, was they went to the creators that were massively successful and said, What's the idea that you love that no network would touch? Mm -hmm. And that was their model. That answers the first question who Fox was at the time. Your second question. It really was Simpsons and Married with Children. So it's not fair to just only credit Simpsons. Married with Children was also a monster, mm. monster hit. And this new season covers that a lot. You give plenty of credit where credit yeah. is due to those shows as yeah. well. Yeah. It's, those were the things that, because what a lot of people don't understand about these big companies and people like Rupert Murdoch, they know they're taking a big risk. They know they're jumping into the deep end of the pool and they have the, the, the confidence to do it, but they're not morons. So there is a clock. So my guess is Rupert probably was like, I'll try this for five years, maybe six. And if it doesn't work, I'll shut it down. And it was Simpsons in particular with an honorable mention for married with children that proves there's no better way to describe this theory than the line from Predator. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> Basically, Rupert Murdoch was able to see, a, you know, we launched with 30 shows. 28 of them are gone. Yeah. Two of them are going to keep the lights on. And Simpsons, the amount of cash that that show brought in from the merchandise and everything else, mm -hmm. I don't think... Fox would be around today, even though I know most of it Disney has. I don't like I don't think there's an Avatar or a Titanic without the Simpsons. Right. Uh, wow. I thought you were gonna say uh, you're gonna paraphrase Predator and say something like if it gives milk, we can milk it. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, better joke writer uh, than I do. There you go. <laughs> yes, of course. Everyone knows that. Um <laughs> I, uh, you know, I was, I was reading this article. It's a few years. Uh, it's a few years old from Vulture. They were talking about how anything, any article like this draws my attention because of our podcast focusing on the 1980s. But it was like why the 1980s was the golden age for TV, and it talked about how many of the shows we have today benefit from their these uh, predecessors in the 1980s and Simpsons um, among them. But in the article, it all points out how in the 1980s we had shows that were crass, 
that reminded me of maybe what the Simpsons in Married with the, Chil the Children did, but they, they failed miserably, you know, talking about, uh, Dabney Coleman was on two of them, uh, including Buffalo Bill and Slap Maxwell, which mm -hmm. touched on social issues, but from this kind of maybe Archie Bunker way, but not as elegant as Archie Bunker. How is it that Simpsons succeeds where other shows that even around that time were failing that were also trying to be edgier? It's the writing. It's the writing. It's the writing. Yep. They spent here. Here. I mean, th this is my not only my favorite thing that I learned while working on the Simpsons show, but it, it's one of the things if you look at all the shows we make talking about how these things from He-Man and My Little Pony and Hello Kitty to Star Wars, if you look at what almost all of them have in common. And I can't even think of an example that proves me wrong of the work we've done, by the way. I, I, I know there's lots of examples that are different than what I'm saying. They all come out of nowhere and or they were allowed to exist because something else was going on. The yeah. greatest description of this phenomenon I've ever seen. If I've, if I said this on the last episode, I apologize. You can still see on YouTube when Steve jobs in introduced the iPod at a Mac world. Mm -hmm. It is. A, did we talk about this? I don't recall. I don't think so. Yeah. No, it is a 90 minute speech of him introducing products. He spends about 70 seconds talking about the iPod. The majority of the 90 minutes mm. is talking about a printer and a wireless camera. Neither <laughs> product would be for sale 24 months later. Yeah. And the thing that would literally not only save the company, but I would argue change our entire speed. You know, there's, sure. there's no, you know, like, anyway, I won't get into politics, but let's just say <laughs> having a, a camera on them 24 seven that can shoot 4K I believe that is, in my opinion, positively changed the world. None of that happens without the iPod. Sure. So Simpsons was the same thing. Mm. You had this huge, huge, huge director. Um, what do you call it? James L. Brooks and his feature deal. He had done a four picture deal um, or uh, two of the four movies won Oscars. One of them got nominated some of the most profitable films of all time in Fox history. His deal is up. The Fox studio wants to keep him. So while he's trying to close his deal and Fox is trying to get his next four movies, by the way, fun fact, the next four movies, at least three of them lost money. Uh, none of them were Oscar nominated, but in order to get the deal done, Brooks, basically said to Fox, you want me and my movies? Green light that cartoon. <laughs> yeah. So you look at what Fox spent on those four movies. Let's say each one of them all in was about, let's say 75 million. So they spent 300 million to make movies and they got a franchise that conservatively probably throws off two and a half to $5 billion a year in profit. Wow. Yeah. But it was because of James L. Brooks. And talking about James L. Brooks, and just like the Star Wars documentary, it's really cool how many myths you raise and then dispel. Because in <laughs> some of them, you know, I was vaguely familiar with. 
including the story about Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons, coming up with the doodle right before he goes in to uh, pitch the idea. That was pretty <laughs> cool. I love the way you take these turns too. You set up like, yep, that's what we know. That's what it is. No, that's not it. And it's baloney. Here's the real story. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I mean, my, my favorite example of that happened literally the first time we even tried to make a show like this was Star Wars when we were interviewing the Kenner lawyer. And the Kenner lawyer, like, I remember this, this was like almost six years ago. I remember it like it was five seconds ago where he was like, well, you know, George didn't make any money from the toys. We're like, "Eh, you mean mean he made all his money from the toys, not the movies, right? Mm -hmm. That's a myth I had grown up on. All of Mm -hmm. us had. Absolutely. And he was like, no, 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 no. He only got two and a half percent. And I remember being like there, I said to him, I go, sir, with respect, there's no way that's true. And he's like, well, I brought the contract with me. And we're literally sitting there. I have receipts. Office, exactly, in Cincinnati. And he was right. And that was when, how we learned to do that quote unquote trick where Mm -hmm. I feel like we're bad documentarians if we're not recognizing <laughs> a major myth no. and either supporting it mm. or dispelling it. So that's what we try to do. Well, that's the thing too, Brian. It seems like you say we're bad documentarians and you, you could debate that one way or the other. I would argue that you're not a pure documentarian. You're an entertainment documentarian. Yeah. By right? the way, I, I did not the, say the, we were bad. Yeah. Now I yeah. understand why we laugh if, if right. I think what I meant to say was we don't want to be. No, no right. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Right. What my point is, it's an entirely, yeah, it's an entirely new genre that you yeah. have created that is, it's equal parts because I'm a documentary, just junkie. I'll watch a documentary about a garbage documentary because it's a documentary. I just love true stories. But this is something if you don't like documentary, you can love these shows that Nacelle creates. And if you know, and if you if you're not interested in the thing that we're talking about, we talked about Barbie with the toys who made us. It doesn't matter if you like Barbie. There's entertainment in the documentary that is an entirely new beast that is it's it's blossoming. I mean, through well, we'll talk about more stuff later, but it's really blossoming, and people are it's resonating with people more and more and more. You're you're very kind, but yeah, I I I do feel like I'm an entertainer first. But yeah. we tell the truth. So, I mean, if we're going to find any bad stuff, we're going to put it in the show. So, I mean, we don't lie. We're not making propaganda. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I do believe we're making entertainment. And that's oh, yeah. largely based on a philosophy. I, I He's a famous comedian. And I always, I'm always torn. Like, am I name dropping and I look like a Hollywood <laughs> asshole? Or am I giving credit? to who deserves it. But I will give him credit. Craig Ferguson said this to me Mm. about a show we sold to history channel called join or die. When we were pitching the show, every pitch, the way he described the show was we are wrapping the spinach in ice cream. Mm. (laughs) And that informs everything we make because we sold that show before toys that made us. Uh, And if you look at the original deck that we sent to Netflix, it, that's the opening line of the deck for mm. what would come toys that made us is that whole, uh, we like to wrap our spinach and ice cream. Yeah. It's wow. to, to that extent. I think, I think I said this to John, maybe when we, we talked to you last time was, I think the real test is we need you to remake like a Ken Burns documentary, take civil war or something like that and see if I'd watch it because Ken Burns, fantastic filmmaker. Unlike John and yourself, I, I lose interest. It gets a little, 
there, there are a few documentarians uh, that I revere, probably only two. Uh, and he's one of the two. Sure. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, uh, I mean, no offense. No, I, no, I'm not offended. <laughs> and, and I sure as hell doubt he is, but it'd be interesting to do, you know, I'm a huge history buff. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, we do have something that I'm probably going to green light next year about one of the most obscure presidents in U S history. And there's, there's absolutely nothing funny about it. Okay. Chester A. Arthur. Oh. And, but it's, wow. well, I mean, it's a story that if I told you what happened, at mm. least one of you would probably be tearing up. Mm. Um, and I'm curious to see what kind of style we would use for that because yeah. I would want it to be entertainment first. Yeah, sure. Oh, and the big challenge has got to be, you have no contemporary folks to, you know, cut to and back and forth. And <laughs> it's funny you say that, you know, I said earlier, we've only started pre-production and stopped once yeah, on a, yeah. anything. And it was a Chris, um, what is it? What's the big famous Christmas movie? A Christmas story? A, no, not a Christmas no. story. That's what I have stuck in my head. It's a wonderful uh, life. It's a wonderful life. Thank you. Um, uh, that, that was the problem. Yeah. Oh no. Where literally wrong. the showrunner came to me and she's like, uh, who, uh, who are we interviewing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, what's the problem? She's like, as best as we can tell, this is verbatim. She goes, as best as we can tell, there is one person alive uh, who had anything to do with the movie. That's the good oh, news. Wow. The bad news, uh, by the time the movie came out, that person was four. So I'm not sure how much he remembers. Wow. <laughs> We're like, check, please. Wow. And that movie has a rich history, too, how it worked its way through the studio and how it got promoted. But you know, if I have, there's no meat on the bone. What do you, yeah. you, what do you work yeah. with, right? I can and only it's imagine. Also, it's technically multi-generational, but I would argue it's actually not. Mm. So folks should definitely check this out. Plenty of twists and turns and stuff you didn't know about Simpsons. Mm. Again, like, like Brian said, you don't have to be a fan. You, you'll be a fan afterwards. Yeah. So we've got the finale coming up this Wednesday, November 9th. What do we expect from this last episode? More surprises, more revelations? Yeah, I mean, we bring it home. There's four plot lines over the course of all six episodes, and we, we, we close them up. Um, just like we did with Star Wars. And I, I don't know if you heard or not, but as, as you asked what's next, we did announce we got picked up for season three. So uh, season three comes out Q1. I don't know what month or anything, but I, I do know it's Q1. And that topic, you're going to be like, huh, what? Trust me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trust me. Mm-hmm. Fast and Furious. Huh, and oh, really? My example <laughs> for five years of yeah. me going from no interest to being a lunatic fan okay. has been man. <laughs> it has now been replaced by Fast and Furious. Okay. I, it, it is like you would not believe the story behind those films. It's before you said... Awesome. Before you said what it was, I was thinking to myself, well, it has to be something that has an iconic circle because the cover art, there was a film can and then there was the pink donut you got a tire, I imagine. For season John, three, you're I good, imagine. man. I never <laughs> want to play trivia pursuit against you. You're good. All right. So while we've got you here, uh, a couple things, another, just another minute. Look, we're, we're excited also as fans of the 1980s that you've now, one of the uh, toys you've turned to, because you, you've done this, you know, you've done this before and you continue mm-hmm. to do this. But the latest pre-order is for Sectors. Yes. The, uh, <laughs> characters from uh, the world of Symbion. Yeah, we've talked about true. this. Uh, we've talked about it a couple times on our show because the cartoon and the backstory that supports these characters is fucking bonkers. It's um, twisted. It's bonkers. absolutely. Yeah. 
yeah. bonkers. Should it's not like, have been for kids. Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> get more bonkers. Like, and by the way, it's not just a cartoon. Read the story on the back of the box. Like, yeah. Yeah. you just read that. And you're like, imagine being nine years old and being yeah. like, uh, I know I'm only nine, but what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of funny too. Maybe it was because of the fear of nuclear war in the 1980s that we would be attracted to these dystopian type of worlds. I, I don't know. But for Nacelle, why, why sectars? Just like the Simpsons. How is it that you arrive at uh, that product? It, it's toys. We use it. You know, we're not trying to do a Mount Rushmore thing or a multi-generational thing with toys. Yep. We are trying to find things that have a rabid, rabid fan base mm. So we need that to justify the cost of making one of these figures. Yeah. But our goal, if we succeed, which it's yet, by the way, our first toy RoboForce this morning, like less than, a, less than an hour ago, literally went on the truck from the factory to the port in China. Mm. So Sectors is about four months behind it, but um, it, you just need that rabid fan base and then you have to try and build on top of it. Mm. So the amount of robo force we've sold clearly indicates we have exceeded its fan base in a traditional way. Right. So yeah. sectors, you know, you look on eBay, what are the prices you can yeah. see? Like if Thundercats is 80 bucks a figure, for a good condition out of the box and sectors is $390 out of the box. Good condition. You can, you can start to figure out what that fan base is. You, this may surprise you. I go to conventions quite a bit. Oh. You know, you see, you know, you see people in a sectors costume on Halloween. Like we, I was in New York comic con a couple of weeks ago and I saw people dressed like sectors. So Wow. You just go with your <laughs> gut. And then, you know, we have a pretty large network now of um, mom and pop toy stores that we built our own distribution arm and we talk to them. So, you know, it's, it's over mm -hmm. 200. Actually, I think it's over 300 stores now. You know, we'll take a poll, an unofficial poll. We'll call 50 stores. Hey, if we called you about sectors on a scale of one to 10, would you be excited? And if you ask 50 stores and 45 say anything above a seven, yeah. it'll probably work. Well, we look forward also to seeing the uh, the glove at some point with the spider. <laughs> I, we, we will almost definitely be doing it. We, we announced wave two uh, almost more than six months early. Yeah. That's how fast wave one is selling. Very good. Well, Brian, we'll be sure to tell folks to watch the finale. You look, if you have and you haven't seen it yet, you can stream all of it right now on Vice TV and it's easy to get. I I sign on to Vice. It asks me what my TV provider is and I, I use Hulu. So odds are you're able to watch it and you can stream the whole thing and see the final episode. This is Wednesday, November 9th. Icons on Earth, The Simpsons. Thank you so much, Brian, for joining us again. As always, a lot of fun. Thank you both. We could really talk to Brian lots of times because so many of the products he creates yep. are things we mm -hmm. love. I'm glad we got to talk to him about the sectars too, because uh, we talked about this so many times on this show. I, I would like to talk just about the sectars with him. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he knows way more yeah. about it than even we do since he had to dig into it to make the figures. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. You know, I didn't get to ask him. I think I read mm -hmm. online that the figures, the scale of the figures that they're selling now in the cell company is, and you could pre-order them mm -hmm. matches the scale of the originals. So if you have a play set, 
a vintage mm-hmm. playset, you could actually just integrate these. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily play with them, but in a diorama mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. You know what mm-hmm. I worry about, though, is yep. I love the remaking them from a, I can get access to them, but I worry about remaking them from a damaging the collector market because people have mm-hmm. paid hundreds of dollars for something right. and mm. now it's available again. So yeah. as long as it's clearly differentiated that yeah. this is the remake and not, you know, I, I, I guess it's fine. But there will be collectors that'll be upset that there's new stuff on the market that mm. it'll increase interest, but might devalue the rarity or the attractiveness of having the old one. If you just want one and don't care if it's vintage. I see. Hmm. Anyway. So that's the show. And our show is brought to you every week. Huh. Thanks in part to our early adopters like yeah. Kathy Burke, yeah. Rick Parker, and Karen Flieger. Hmm. And thank you especially to our Secret of Our Success Level Patreon supporters, yeah. John Henderson, mm-hmm. Craig Coletta, John Kaminsky, Marcus Taylor, and Tony Great. Great. You know, I just realized I say that's Great. the show, but that's not really the show. I mean, it's kind of, it's the, it's the denouement of the show has now begun. <laughs> but I didn't want to say that. Yeah, I'm trying to work as many French things in since that earlier. <laughs> Thank you. But hey, yeah, special thanks to those guys uh, who are our Patreon supporters. But there's plenty of ways to support the show. You can go to 1980snow.com slash support to find mm-hmm. out how. There's plenty of free ways to support the show, including just mm-hmm. keeping our spirits up. Yes. <laughs> or helping us create content by just sharing your your words, your thoughts, your messages, your uh-huh. experiences uh, related to this, the show material. Or anything uh-huh. related to the 1980s, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any tangible examples of somebody actually doing that? Though? I do. Christina Ooh. on Instagram writes. Uh, she writes with regard to our 900 numbers episode that we did in oh, connection with yeah. 900. Yeah. When you know we were questioning whether folks had actually, other than me, had called these numbers in the, <laughs> when they were kids. Yes, one nine hundred. Spell it was my total jam. Oh. You would call the number and they would give you a word to spell, and you'd have to spell it with the letters under the numbers <laughs> on your phone. Oh my gosh. Wow. Unbeknownst wow. to my parents, I was quite the player, although I never <laughs> won the grand prize. When the phone bill came, my mom called the phone company and said the lines must have been crossed. Uh-oh. My parents didn't have to pay the bill as long as they blocked 900 numbers from being dialed, and that mm-hmm. was the end of that. Wow. wow. So, no <laughs> words with Q or X because those aren't on the phone, right? Oh, on a traditional phone, not a, right? on a non-cell phone. I'm to Q and X, that. I think, are not on there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that, that's that's maybe it's not X. I think Q for sure. I'd have to look. Mm-hmm. It's I'd look at old phone. So anyway. no, was Ooh. it Quixelotl? Quixelotl. <laughs> <Not on there. laughs> you can take or, your big Scrabble words and go home. Or because they're charging you by the minute, that's the only word that's on there. <laughs> right. Yeah. What the? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe X, I think X, Y, and Z. Maybe X is a Q is not. I think for sure. I, anyway. And the kids are looking for the letter, and the message is like. No, take your time, kids. Don't Try panic. Again. It's unlimited Try time. Again. All right. Yeah. No stress. You have 24 <laughs> minutes left to guess. <laughs> uh, hey, we also heard from, well, you know what? I wanted to share this message because uh, the, mm-hmm. I, so I met this guy, Tim, uh, mm-hmm. and his brother, Stefan. Anyway, these two guys uh, worked uh, over at the uh, the inaugural Ohio Fan Fest earlier this year. Oh. So I met them both there because they do work with the folks that... Uh, uh, the creators of these shows who also mm-hmm. have, they also have created the, the, the guys who created that show also created a horror show that they do not do down in Pittsburgh also. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. Tim and his brother, great guys. And Tim has his Ooh. own, uh, couple of podcasts, um, oh, wow. dead on the bases and dead on movie reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, you should definitely check out, but he also has a website, otherworldlyculture.com. And he was kind enough to share, uh, the couple of articles that came out about me recently and wrote a little message oh. here. It's always great to see a podcaster that isn't working for public radio or delivering mm-hmm. true crime, get some recognition. 
Congratulations, Will. <laughs> I love it. That's uh, so cool. So check out Tim's uh, website, otherworldly.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find out about his podcast. And finally, we've heard from, nice. and this is really cool, Roy Shamir. Now, if you listen to my interview with Paul Robb from Information Society about uh, mm-hmm. how he created the music and co-founded the band and plays the mm-hmm. keyboards, mm-hmm. Uh, Roy Shamir was a na- name that Paul mentioned as being instrumental in helping develop the iconic sound of their debut album, Information Society. Wow. Roy writes, <laughs> Roy writes, Roy's written to the row again. Rowie writes, greetings and salutations. I enjoyed listening to your podcast with Paul Robb. It was Mm. nice hearing the discussion, including artists I recorded and mixed from that time period. Nice of Paul to shout me out. Some extra info for you. So Hmm. he mentions, just like Paul had shared that the result, Mm -hmm. the the sound that resulted was this combination of all these guys working together, including Mm -hmm. Paul. Mm -hmm. And uh, we mentioned uh, Fred Marr. Mm-hmm. And Rowie working to create this sound, including there is this sound on what's on your mind. So, you know, it's sort of mm-hmm. the break of the so- song. You've got all okay. these samples, you know, destruction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hum, 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 destruction. And then you have this, mm-hmm. this choppy sound. Uh-huh. And most folks thought they had a person playing an electric guitar. Okay. It's not an electric guitar. And no. Rowie explains what it is. He said, it was created by me at Mixdown using a mundane Rhodes pad that Paul originally played that mm-hmm. Rowie put through a Rockman sustainer rack unit and then tightly gated using the high end percussion and the hi-hat as an external trigger. So- Oh, mm. oh. Oh, cool. I never noticed that. Now when I listen to this song, no. you'll notice that that sound is cut off in sync with the hi-hat. Ah, that's cool. So you have a way of programming, you know, it's certainly Mm -hmm. back then it was more challenging, but you could say, all right, I Mm -hmm. want this element to control this other element. Now it's Mm -hmm. easy. So easy. Okay. But anyway, um, he also writes that he worked with Tim Capello, who I mentioned on that show that I've been trying to get on to talk about saxophones. And he's the sexy sax man from the Lost Boys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks for writing, Rowie. We appreciate it. So, hey, okay, yeah. that was it. Does hey. Rowie have an end of the sexy sax man? Can you get, get him on the show? Hey. Um, call him a favor. I think I wrote back to Rowie and said, you know, we're having, if I can only get a hold of him. Oh, uh, okay. If only. Uh, come on, Rowie. Help <laughs> oh, us out, yeah. brother. Well, I love hearing hearing what people are thinking after they listen to the episodes. Good. So, look, yeah. this is what I want need you to do. Guys, please write to us because then Kat will come to the recording session to hear what you write even when having the opportunity to see something Duran Duran related. Hey, I just thought of another enabler that I should mention. Hey guys, we will talk to you next time. (laughs) One of our 1980s now now listeners. (laughs) Nathan. (laughs) All right. Hey guys, we will talk to you. I'm meaning John and I next time on 1980s now. I'm fired. (laughs) Bye bye. This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness.